Brett Benter. This is uh, Staff's Podcast, and today I'm speaking to Roger. That's Roger Beecham. And Aubrey? Krichter. Aubrey Krichter. From Canon, South Africa. Yep. And for the most part, I think today we're talking about the EOS 90D and the Mark 6. EOS M6 Mark II. M6 Mark II. Well, let's start off with the uh, EOS 90D, Roger. Yeah. What can you tell us about this camera that's about to land? I think you've yeah, got abs- a... Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. They're in the warehouse at the moment, busy being uh, kitted with odds and ends. The stock, uh, the, well, the camera was announced on the 28th of August, um, a brand new uh, addition to the lineup. The existing 80D has been on the market for a good sort of two and a half years. And what we're doing is we're slotting this model in uh, directly above it uh, and below the 7D Mark II. Not necessarily only as an upgrade, but as a an additional to the lineup. So somebody wants a little bit more in terms of resolution, a little bit more in terms of frames per second, but still likes a small lightweight body, 90D ticks all the boxes. If you want a little bit more durability, a little bit more strength, uh, 7D Mark II is still on the market. And if you want something a little bit lighter, if you don't necessarily need 4K, don't necessarily need speed, 80D is still kicking around for a while. Well, I think that that's wiped out pretty much all of my questions for a while. Oh, no, no, no. Well, there's a lot, lot more to it. Yeah. Uh, no, no, but I was about to ask, uh, why should somebody opt for uh, the new model over the older one? Because you've hit pretty much all the boxes, 4K. Well, um, yeah, the, the, the clincher is there. More, more than anything else, re- resolution, 30 million pixels, it, it, it's, a, it's a totally new a new sensor. The first time anybody's hit 30 million on, a, on an APS-C size sensor. Uh, so that's really exciting from a quality point of view. 10 frames a second, great for tracking sports, wildlife, birds... Uh, any kind of action type photography and then for the vlogging market uh, microphone input headphone socket uh, flip, flip out screen and then 4k uh, and that, that's uh, well, you know whether South Africa is ready for 4k vlogging or 4k YouTubing or, or even 4k streaming for that matter is academic but hey that's what the Americans wanted <laughs> so no well I think it will go over quite well to the African market but the, the vlogging crowd I think a lot's going to have to do with the price um, of course, what, yeah. what are we expecting the the 90D to land at. Here uh, at, at this stage, we're, we're, we're aiming for about 21 for the body only, uh, with a lens kit maybe about 23 or 28, depending on the on the lens kit that you get with it. But body only around about 21,000 rand. It works sort of pretty much in line with the US price, which is around about $1,200, about 15 rand to the exchange rate at the moment. That's just on around about 20. So yeah, we're, we're trying to get as close to the US price as possible. But I, I believe that the, the 90D shares quite a lot of hardware with the M6, M6 Mark, Mark II. Yeah. And a little bit with the uh, M50, I think it is. Well, yeah, uh, Aubrey's the better person to answer that, that question uh, as far as that's concerned. So. The M6 shares a lot of specs with, with 90D, but aimed at two different, com- completely different customers. So once again, you've always also got 30 million pixels, you've got 4K, you've got not a flip out screen, but just a dull screen. But um, more speed in the, in the M6, just simply because there's no mirror that has to move around, that's the, the main mirrorless. Highest, still highest pixel count on an on APS-C type body. But like I said, two completely different customers. So M6 would be somebody that's, he's already got a, a DSLR and he's looking for something a little, light, a little bit lighter because the EOS M series is, is built to be extremely light and portable. Still gives great quality, great all around performance. But just from a size perspective, it is about half the size of a 90D. So for somebody that wants to travel, somebody that wants to move around the world and doesn't want a big camera backpack, that's the, definitely the, the, the one we're aiming at. It's also got microphone ports, it's also got all the other bells and whistles. So once again, also from a vlogging perspective, the camera is definitely able. The M6 shares a lot of similarities yes, between the, M- the with the 90D. So yes, they do. Um, same, same sensor, um, same 4K output out of the camera. 
Um, a little bit more frames a second on the on the EOS M6, 14 versus 10 on the on the 90D, just because simply because there's no mirror to move around. Um, tilt screen instead of flip out screen. Microphone port is there. How far does that screen tilt? Uh, up this to is an important up to thing. 180. So it's 180. Okay. That's 180. You can photograph yourself if you feel inclined to do through weird things like that. Well, I, that, that's <laughs> just that seems to be the prime function of the it tilt screen it these does, days. Uh, it does. It's to do that thing called self. What? What's with that word? Anyway. Okay. Yeah, and, that one. And, and doesn't that make you guys cringe if you see somebody holding like a 30,000 rand camera at arm's length with a... No, because if they drop it, they're going to buy another one. Well, I suppose that. I don't mind. That, that's good for um, you at the end of the day. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so M6 um, is different customer genre than, than, than 90D, just from a size perspective. M6 is, is half the size of a 90D. So from a size perspective, a lot smaller, but same quality. So 90D, like Rog said, will be, will be an upgrade path for somebody that's in the market for, for something in that area where M6 will be somebody that's got a DSLR, he likes the small form factor, or somebody that's investing in, in mirrorless, and everybody and his dog says that mirrorless is the future. So every, anybody that wants to sort of future-proof himself by investing in mirrorless will be going that way. Having said that, Canon is not moving away from DSLR at all because I s could see that little face smiling there in that question, <laughs> going up to that question. Um, we're definitely not moving away from traditional DSLR. We're the only company that still makes APS-C size DSLR and mirrorless and full-frame DSLR and mirrorless. Nobody else does that. And it's just a, it's a simple case of us still investing in all our clients, knowing what the client wants is not necessarily mirrorless at this stage, but he still wants a DSLR, whether it's full-frame or APS-C. Hmm. See, now that opens up a bunch of um, questions that I know you're gonna not going to answer because you just told me you won't about uh, future products. So we're going we're to leave stuff. that for the moment. Well, so we, we, we can give you a little bit of direction, so a little bit of a hint. Um, Canon's going to continue investing in all four of those categories. Uh, as, as Aubrey mentioned, we're the last brand standing still making DSLR in full frame and crop and mirrorless in full frame and crop. And to all intents and purposes, we know cameras shipped out of Japan in 2018, 60% of those cameras were still traditional DSLR, 40% was mirrorless. Now that was last year. This year it's more than likely going to be sort of 50-50, but still 50% of the market is DSLR. We're going to continue investing. We, we have uh, 90, well, 90 odd lenses in the current lineup, but we've produced 140 million EF lenses. Uh, and to, to can that market completely is, is absolutely utterly pointless. So we know that there's thousands and thousands, of, well, put it this way, millions of people out there who've got those lenses, got those cameras, mm. who maybe not necessarily want to go mirrorless, but um, still want to keep the, the DSLR mentality. People like that optical viewfinder. Mm. The traditional sports and, believe it or not, wildlife photographers like that. Uh, so we'll keep making them. The biggest advantage we have is those uh, those lens adapters. So Aubrey's EOS M6 Mark II has has the option to, to get an adapter to take any of those 140 million lenses. Not only that, but there's an incredibly good lineup of EFM lenses that we have already, including really good macro lenses, the fast primes, and, and a variety of zooms. So there's dedicated lenses if you want the small and lightweight option. You've got the option with the adapter for the full frame ones. Uh, and, uh, and as I say, that, that means you, you can kind of choose anywhere you really want to without, oh my gosh, if I go DSLR, what am I going to lose? If I go mirrorless, what am I going to lose? If I go full frame, what am I going to lose? There is no loss. Mm. Um, so just to jump back to the Mark Six again, um, what is it going to be priced at? I know you said the different markets. I'm expecting a different um, sort of pricing. Def definitely a different pricing. Mark Six body only is going to land at about 17. And Mark Six with uh, entry-level kit lens will be about 21, 22. That's kind of rude. Sorry. Why is it rude? Because <laughs> well, on paper it's higher spec. I mean, it's 14 frames a second. Um, mm. that, that's a, a nice, nice little number. Um, 
what we're seeing the reviews mm. online of people saying, well, you know, uh, you really should look at the M6 Mark II rather than the 90D. We just know the South African market, the bird photographers, um, they like an optical viewfinder, the wildlife sports guys. They're, they're going to stick with that yeah. optical viewfinder. And, and there 10 frames a second about is not to be sneezed at. That's an awesome stat. No it, no, it absolutely is. Um, so basically what you're saying is that when these two land, people are going to have to buy one of each, right? Uh, I don't mind. Well, we'd love that, but yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's not real. Yeah. I'll be in Robert Rogers Camera Shop dot com. Yeah, no, hey, we'll stop that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when, are we, when can we expect uh, both of these items to land this in month. SA? This month, um, this do you have a firm yeah. date? Well, my 90Ds, as I say, are in stock. They'll, they'll be on the shelves uh, by Friday, Saturday this weekend. So the, the, the Comic Con long weekend, uh, you, you'll see them on the, on, on the shops, shop shelves. But yeah, we received a couple of proposals and we, we looked at it very, very, very seriously, um, specifically because Canon internationally is getting a little bit more involved as far as cosplay is concerned. Yeah. One of the most critical parts of cosplay is, is photography, believe it or not. It's, it's about sharing. You know, the building of the, 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 the project, the building of the costume, etc., mm. using video cameras. Uh, M50 is probably the EOS M50, Aubrey's little product, it is. Uh, is used massively in the vlogging area um, and very, very hugely by vloggers in the cosplay arena. So there's a, there's a very, very, very logical sync there. Um, as a double whammy, uh, one of our cameras, the 6D Mark II and the 5D Mark IV, um, those two babies are used almost exclusively for cosplay portraits, photography. So once you finish the costume and you want to do that, that that beauty shot, you know, you've set up the background, whether you green screen it, whether you, you know, when, when you've chosen a, a nice location, those are the cameras of choice, you know, super low lights, super high resolution capabilities for sharing. And again, Google image search cosplay photography uh, online and, and you'll find, you know, the videos are done on the M50 and the photos are done on the, the, the 60 and the 5D. So, we really wanted to go to Comic-Con. Budget was a little bit too tight, unfortunately, this year. Mm -hmm. But um, we are involved in cosplay in a couple of things. So we were at Icon back in uh, in April yeah. uh, with the World Cosplay uh, Summit. And we sponsored two girls uh, with camera gear to go to Japan last year and again this year. So that's, uh, and next year, I should say. So we're really, really happy with that. We have some associations with some of the local uh, cosplayers. Um, which uh, ones, if you know, offhand? Um, Kumbakaiki, Kinpatsu. Uh, oh, just going to drive me nuts. I can't remember the other ones. But, they're, they're, you know, but we, we, we have a good association in the, in the cosplay industry. And as I say, we, we, we're dead keen on, on being a little bit more involved moving forward. So watch this space. That's uh, all I'm going to say. That's not all you're involved in. I believe you guys were somewhere last weekend. Maybe not you guys specifically, but Canon was involved a little bit with the... Astronomy ex Expo. Oh, Scopex. Yeah, yeah, Scopex. Yeah, jeez, wow. Okay, I wasn't sure where you were going to because yeah, I was, I was, you know, I was doing you Scopex. There, was you did a wildlife thing with with Caxton <laughs> Franks. Yeah. So, yeah, Scopex is uh, is something that Cam's been involved with for ages. Uh, ever since we started making astrophotography cameras in the the twenty D A, gosh, that's going back to about two thousand seven, two thousand eight, I think. Yeah. And then the sixty D A, which came out in twenty twelve. Um, we got involved with Scopex, sponsoring uh, you know, prizes, etc. And again, we were there this weekend, so yeah, it's, it's a good, good thing for us. Astrophotography is definitely something that Canon's invested in, let's put it that way. Yeah, um, I've heard quite a few things. So some of your cameras are getting an, an actual, uh, is it an astrophotography mode, or is it, is it is one that's designed for shooting lunar images, if, if I remember right? 
I'm not at liberty to confirm or deny that information at this oh, stage. Is, is yeah, that It was a nice try. Is we, that not public knowledge? I thought it's, it was it's, public knowledge. It's on, it's on canon rumours at oh, this stage. Right. There may well be plans in the future, uh, or near future, or late future, or sometime in the future, for more astrophotography products, let's put it that way. Because no, I've heard something about an EOS that's dedicated to astrophotography. Well, we, we've had the 60DA, which, mm. which basically got discontinued kind of last year, mm. uh, which had the infrared low-pass filter removed so that you could actually take photographs of nebulae that were more in the near-infrared area of the uh, photography spectrum. But it also um, allowed the sensor to be more... Um, more sensitive to the longer wavelengths of light. So it was better for nebulae that were specifically red, uh, essentially. Yeah. But uh, as far as everything else is concerned, it was just good for astrophotography in general. Uh, and as I said, that came to end of life kind of the end of last year, but um, we haven't replaced it as yet. This, this tells me that uh, your products are going to be available locally from October. Why, what pushed the date up? The international sales start date for the 90D and for, for M6 is... Uh, either 12th or 20th of September mm. anyway. Right. So I think 90D is already on sale overseas. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it takes a little bit of while to get through to South Africa. We've got to have any passes, stickers on for Wi-Fi, etc. So it takes a little bit longer. But you know, when you read a press release, it's not necessarily about this is exactly when it's going to happen. Mm. We're always like, let's play it safe. Just yeah, leave, you know. very much play safe. Yeah, very much. Okay. Uh, do you guys ever have any issues with people who buy their Canon stock overseas and then come to you for support? It's it's a good question, but it, it doesn't happen as much as it used to. No. Let's put it that way. We we've been able to to narrow the gap between SA pricing and USA pricing uh, on a major scale for over the last sort of ten years, and uh, it's made it less viable for people to buy overseas. Now, obviously, the, the sort of very very high end of the spectrum, the DX2, which is a, a ninety thousand rand camera. If you were saving nine thousand rand by buying it in the states, then it was worthwhile doing. But as I say, the gap now is nowhere near like that. It's very, very, very close. And the kind of person who's spending four, five, or less than 10,000 rand on your kind of products, um, it's not even remotely viable to buy no, in the States. No, so 100 bucks as well. Yeah. Mm, okay. I have noticed um, the price gap narrowing with stuff we do a lot of, I guess you could call it advanced comparative shopping of course, yeah. for the magazine. Like I have noticed since, uh, since the day, I used to do T3 magazine in sure, South Africa sure. back in the day. And then it was, that means 11 years ago, there was a big discrepancy. That gap is a lot smaller now. I don't really know where I was going with that. Well, it, 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 it started with sort of economies of scale. I mean, we, we were really tiny. You know, 10, 10, 15 years ago, on the global scheme of things, Canon South Africa was, was a small part of the pie. And it was the same for other ma manufacturers. And because we're so small, you know, shipping product from Japan, they ship in containers. They're not going to divide a container of 1,000 cameras down to 12 for South Africa. They would send it to 1,000 to Europe, and then Europe would split it and then there were the smaller batches would come here. So we're paying freight from Japan to Amsterdam to Amsterdam to Joburg, and smaller boxes means higher volumetric rate, higher cost, etc. Mm. It was almost impossible for South Africans to, to meet the cost of uh, USA, for example. So send a package from uh, you know Japan to America, the, the, the trade lines are well entrenched. The, the, the options in terms of flights, in terms of shipping are massive. And the overall cost per product came down dramatically because they were ordering a container of 10,000. So, um, yeah, it, it became very, very difficult. And we, we were fortunate that Canon started a global pricing alignment plan, and um, we were able to get substantially closer to, to the US pricing. Uh, unfortunately, it's been a lot more difficult for our competitors to do the same thing because they're not wholly owned subsidiaries of the global partner like we are.
So you guys are quite at quite an advantage. Has your have your shipments um, increased substantially in the last? Absolutely. Ten years? Huge. Yeah, yeah. Um, so more and more people are picking up digital photography in mm. South Africa. Your family. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's your most popular camera uh, currently? Um, sure. Well, we say popular in terms of volumes. Volume, sold. volume, or volume price? sold. Volume um, sold. Uh, well, why not do both? Volumes. Yes, yeah, two thousand D. Yeah, That's a sub six thousand rand camera. Yeah. And price. Well, again, it's, it's difficult to say because you know it. In, in, um, in entry level, 2,000 D isn't even your cheapest. I mean, 4,000 D is not. your cheapest. Not. So people are obviously buying on the step up. Mm. In, in the mid-range section, the products that I handle, 77 D versus 80 D. 80 D actually in the South African markets sells better than the 77. People are prepared to spend that a little bit extra. And in the pro lineup, obviously 5D4 outsells pretty much everything else because it's the, the Swiss Army Nitro camera uh, in the pro segment. But again, it, it depends on, you can't just say, oh, this is the most popular camera because mm most popular per genre. Per genre. Mm. Um, so what, what's flying at the moment is, is the ESR, the, our full frame mirrorless we announced uh, a year ago. And that went through a huge demand at, at launch uh, and then a huge slump when the Americans said it was rubbish. And then a huge <laughs> re, re, re rise in demand when the Americans finally said, actually it's not that rubbish after all, we, we, we got it wrong. So this is essentially <laughs> where, where we are, you know, six months into the lifetime, people are like, hang on a second, we may have, you know, been a bit nasty on this product so now it's flying and i just people are now understanding how brilliant the camera actually is so, yeah. for some reason i've written down the ersrp yes little baby ERSRP. yes um how does that relate to the esr well the rp is a smaller lighter cheaper cousin to the esr so the esr is equivalent to like a 5d4 general purpose really great quality 30 million pixel fantastic first generation full frame mirrorless the ESRP is the smaller, lighter, cheaper brother. Like a 6D2, for people who want to go to full-frame mirrorless for the first time, uh, ESRP is small, light, and above all else, the, the, the 20,000 rand price, price product position is one of the most attractive points on it. It comes with the adapter, so all of your EF lenses fit and work, but it's the first quick, easy step into full-frame mirrorless. Uh, for travel, it's magic. Because, it, I mean, the camera weighs 450 grams. Oh, Toby uh, would absolutely love that. Yeah, and, and you're getting full frame quality, and it, it is an absolute stunner. Plus, it's, it's the first footstep into the new lineup of, of RF lenses. So, uh, RF lenses, you can actually, if you hold them close to your ear, you can hear angels singing. <laughs> Speaking of lenses, I've asked you about your best selling camera. What would be your best selling lens, not counting stuff yeah, yeah. that ships as a kit, I guess? Well, you know, for, for you, for example, I mean, your, your best selling lens after the 1855. Yeah, the 51.8. Yeah, that sells exceptionally well. Well, obviously we sell a lot of the 75-300 in double lens kits. But in terms of standalone, a volume mover, the EFS 10 to 18. My God, that lens sells well. It's the only wide-angle solution for crop sensor cameras, and it's small and it's light and it's cheap, but its quality belies its price because normally you know you get quality or you get cheap. You don't get quality and cheap together. Mm, this one ticks those very boxes. Very rare to find together. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Th this is an absolute beaut in terms of price versus performance. It's it's epic. It really is good. Having said that, our market loves the 100-400. Uh, you know, it's a 30-odd it's a thousand rand lens. But, you know, South Africa, the bird sports wildlife photographers, um, mm. they love that, that lens to absolute pieces. And from my side, th those are the ones that, that, that sell the, the, the real volume. Mm. 51.8, 10.18, 100-400. Um, 
sorry, this is just a, a strange question about the, the South African market. I know we get a lot of, um, you say we get a lot of uh, sales for camera equipment these days. Is it all South Africans, or are you guys at least picking up some volume from people traveling here to go take photographs of wildlife? Do you know no, how I've got to jump in from my side. Um, what we pick up from is they don't come and buy here to shoot wildlife. They will come and buy a pocket pointer shoot or something like that when they come to South Africa. Really? They usually travel with their wildlife cameras. Your, your guys coming to shoot here usually comes with cameras. Hmm. Or the tour operators usually has a package where they can lend cameras and lenses when they when they come across here. Okay. But there's also the, 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 the guy who comes along with his wife who's got the smartphone. Within a day of, of realizing the smartphone isn't good enough for game reserve, etc. And you can pinch zoom till you're blue in the face. That line <laughs> still looks like seven brown pixels in amongst grass, which is eight brown pixels. Um, and that, that's where Armory's uh, pros, the, the SX Super yes, Zoom cameras, super zooms. those things, the, the little bridge cameras, they sell like hotcakes in this country, um, which is awesome. It was actually, we, were, we did a, a thing with Caxton Magazine over the weekend where we took some shooters out um, on the game drives and stuff. And we were at a waterhole with lions and from the front came a game drive vehicle with two Americans on it, husband and wife team. He was busy texting, she was busy taking pictures with a cell phone of a lion sitting at least 500 meters away. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I'm going, you're coming to a place where you're spending a lot of money every night, you're seeing wildlife and you're taking on a cell phone. Yeah, we, we, we can't deny that, that smartphones and cell phone cameras most certainly have, have changed photography in a, in a massive way. Mm. They pretty much killed all of the sort of sub 2,000 yeah, rand cameras. Sub, sub 1,000 rand cameras are dead. Those yeah, they're gone, gone, gone. Shoots, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we used to sell like 40,000, 40, 50,000 units a Easy. year. It was kind of crazy. Easy. And they, those sales have just gone. But then, you know, everybody's like, oh, smartphones killed photography. Um, mm. The other day, it actually hasn't. It's evolving photography. It's making it more accessible for Joe Public. Average guy shoots more pictures than ever before. I mean, you had a stat the other day about how many pictures were uploaded to Facebook on a daily basis. Uh, like no, one and a half billion or a billion? It was 10.7 billion. Sure. Images a day. A Facebook. day. Hmm? It's scary. Which it, it's, it's ludicrous. I, and I love cell phones. They made photography better than ever before because yeah. everybody's taking photos. You guys have actually got a weird industry parallel um, and you guys have got the better end of the deal. Um, is that cell phones have pushed up your, uh, I guess, your, your camera. It has. It's made people more aware of photography. Yeah. Um, and the, the parallel industry is actually the music industry. Interesting. And uh, with computer piracy. Yeah. Uh, piracy is cell phones for this, for this sort of thing. It's, uh, it's what's driven innovation on that side, and it seems to be driving innovation here. There's no, yeah. not yeah. so much of a focus on your point and shoots because those are being built into phones. Yeah. Um, and they all make, like Huawei is making some, Quite impressive cameras. I mean, I, I think they, they, they've got to help. <laughs> uh, we, we, find, we find it highly amusing because um, that particular brand, I'm not going to point fingers at any, uh. but that particular brand, for the last three times, they've used an advertising campaign that said, look at how great the pictures are you can get from these cameras. Yeah. And when you Google image search those images, they were actually shot on Canon cameras. Oh, yes. Not once, no, not twice. Three times. <laughs> no, we're, we're, I'm not. I'm not talking about the uh, the the images that were found. Uh, yeah, yeah, quite yeah. aware of those. I just mean they're, they're they're doing interesting things with like the the internal workings. Uh, sure. Would you have thought of making a compact camera the thickness of a cell phone, for example? Well, you know, we, we had a knock at it a while back. We did, but it, you we know, did we with the XS90. It was that thin, but yeah. then you have to fold your lenses. Yeah. So what happens is to if you need any decent kind of zoom on it, you actually have to fold the lens and move it around to get it to fold up. Yeah. If you drop that once, you'll never be sharp again. But we, we were also working on much bigger sensors. You know, the, the, the bigger sensors we were 
working on were all about how to handle low-light capabilities. The sensors on smartphones are minute. They still are tiny. 90% of the quality that you get out of that is actually not coming from the sensor, it's coming from the processor. So the, you know, the, the smartphone photography is a tiny lens and a tiny sensor, but an epic computer behind it. Mm-hmm. So overwhelmingly, your quality is actually coming from you know, the Photoshop or the processing that's done after the scene. And yes, that is evolving. That is really, really getting better and better by the day. Mm. But if you didn't have that processing power on the phone, if it was what we were doing, you know, the processing power on the on the cameras itself um, was a lot smaller, a lot like you know, a lot lighter. It was only about imaging. It's not ma- meant to sort of handle text and WhatsApp and watching videos and all that kind of story and internet. The the power of the phone is ninety percent. It's all it's all computer stuff. So yeah. So have you thought about mixing the two, or has Co- Canon thought about mixing the two? Take like phone style post-processing and software trickery and bung it into one of your advanced lens systems no. and see what happens. Why not? Uh, well, let's put it this way, yeah, yes and no. Because I'm more, saying no, he's saying yes and no. <laughs> more, more and more of the, um, the software that's being built into our cameras is about improving the overall quality. So things like auto lighting, optimizer, etc. And more on the beginner Correct. cameras than on the pro cameras. The, there's engines that are built in so that when you take the shot, it understands that, oh my gosh, it's backlit, or it understands that you put it into green mode or portrait mode. It's thinking harder for you to deli- deliver a better result. The mid-range and the pro cameras are kind of going, well, it's backlit, you probably know what you're doing. <laughs> it's going to get a dark dark subject, light background. It's going to deliver that, that result. But the very, very entry-level stuff um, has most certainly got a lot more software in it than ever before to mm-hmm. understand yeah. that you may not necessarily know everything about photography, but you still make a good result. So I, I wouldn't say we're taking a leap from the smartphone book to do that, mm. but it's something we've always tried to do so that the first time user gets a happier result. Yes. And it's the main reason why people stop taking photographs. They, they take photographs and they're like, oh, it's too dark or too blue, or I don't know what to do. I'm gonna go on a course, put it on the shelf. And four months later, it's like, oh, I'm still gonna go on a course. And the camera's got cobwebs on it. That's, that's mm. heartbreaking for us. So. I, I believe there's a similar issue with astronomy and astrophotography um, quite a bit. People yeah. uh, look through lenses and go, this, does, this looks nothing like I've seen it on my computer. Yeah. Well, a- astrophotography is a, a massive portion of that is post-processing. I, I know that right. for, a, for a fact because I, I'm like, I've got the right camera, I've got the right lens, taken the right shot, done the settings, done everything <laughs> as per the computer. My Milky Way does not look like that. Because somebody nudged a leg at some point while you were. No, it's just. Well, it's all about somebody who sits on the computer afterwards and knows. Oh, I'm going to take a black point down to here, take this point to there. I'm like, I process images for, for landscape or for wildlife or for birds or for motorsport or whatever it is. Mm. It's a totally different animal for for astros. It's a learning curve. I don't think it's a learning curve for whatever genre you go into. On the subject of the two cameras, I actually came to talk about today. (laughs) Uh, Is there anything else you want to share on um, either the? M6 or the 90D? I'm painfully jealous about the M6 because I, I really wanted those 14 frames a second, but um, the optical viewfinder on that uh, 90D is going to be a, an absolute winner. Uh, and I think uh, it's, um, from, from my side, the, the wildlife and bird, bird guys are going to love it to pieces. But if you want small, that, that M6 is... Now, having said that, I threw the M6 at stuff that you really shouldn't, i.e. fast-moving subjects. Held up very well. Yeah, bit scary. Mm. Bit scary. So if if you let us have both cameras, you're not going to complain if I put them side by side and we just. 
Okay, everybody else has done it, so it's, no, you, you may as well. Yeah, there's no stress whatsoever. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, but as 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 I said right at the beginning, they're two target markets. So it's target markets are completely slightly different. Yeah, different. Okay. Right. Um, well, thank you so much for joining me today. On, uh, I wasn't short notice, but it was a, a little difficult to organise this mm. one. I think yeah. it was nice to meet, meet you, Aubrey and Roger. Thank you, Brett. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Good, yeah. I just want one other thing. Um, I, you know, we, we we have a YouTube channel with like a good sort of fifty odd uh, videos up there called Click Video Mag. It's not a Canon channel, but it is only about Canon stuff. And we, we talk about the new products on a regular basis. We spoke about 90D and M6 uh, on the 28th of August on mm. that video clip. But we, we talk about product all the time. Every time there's new stuff out, we have videos up. Uh, check it out, like, subscribe, ring the bell, the usual story. But you know, <laughs> um, that's, a, that's a blatant pun for, for Click Video Mag because it's a little bit more independent. It's not an official spokespiece by Canon. It's more about our personal opinions. So. Thank you.